This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Psychedelic rock trio Earthless released their fourth full-length studio album, Black Heaven, on March 16th via Nuclear Blast Entertainment. Recorded at Rancho de la Luna in Joshua Tree, California, drummer Mario Rublacaba describes Black Heaven as a whirlwind ride through dark clouds and muddy waters, high-energy sludge that rolls, and heavy riffage that rocks. Psychedelic sprinkles all over the place make me want to turn the sucker up loud as hell only to howl at the heavens. I personally can't stop listening to this record and consider this one of the best records of the year so far. So do yourself a favor and pre-order this today. You can find Earthless Black Heaven exclusive multicolored splatter vinyl and exclusive t-shirt bundle at nuclearblast.com. Once again, Earthless Black Heaven is out March 16th. Go get yourself pre-order a bundle at nuclearblast.com. Hey guys, this is Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. Have you recently noticed comments like this on our show? Fuck you. I hope all of you catch cancer and die. Or possibly this? You're listening right now. Fuck you. Uncontrollable anger affects many podcast hosts, and our own Brandon Hahn has admittedly succumbed to this disorder. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. And it was a stupid fucking move. When I asked Brandon, who do you think this affects the most? This is what he said. They're all, they're all pussy white people. That's all they are. So help us help Brandon. So you hear less of this. You get your bandanas and bats stuffed up your fucking ass. Head over to GoFundMe.com and search anger is not a gift. The Brandon Gooch Hahn affliction. And let's give... His story, a happy ending. Fuck you. I hope all of you catch cancer and die. Yeah. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Everybody, I am your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... Brandon Guchan, how you doing? And from Skype, while she's doing comedian things in the comedian world, is... Jocelyn Sharp. All right, guys. And this week, I got to interview his vocalist, Tommy Rogers, from Between the Buried and Me. Their new album, Automata One, is amazing and is out right now, guys. So make sure, if you don't have a copy, you pick that up um, ASAP. And like always, we love to talk about the Metal Sucks news. The main, I think, story that uh, it kind of hurt my feelings, because I do have a son. You guys do not have children yet. Um, Brandon may never, because of his anger. There is no May. <laughs> and then Jocelyn may be but uh Tommy yeah I don't I don't know I don't know I, don't, I might have some kids out there I haven't figured it out yet oh <laughs> yeah. but Tommy Lee and his son they got in a, a physical altercation Tommy Lee was laid out he took a picture of his son pretty much knocking him out um and his lip all busted and then they had kind of a war of words on social media I can't imagine a sadder outcome uh for me as a father if my son a knocks me out period but B, then uh, yeah, we're it, on social media and all over the metal news sites because of Yeah, <laughs> you failed as a parent if anyone can retweet something shitty you said to your kid. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Right. If your son can, can turn you into a hashtag, you're not good at parenting. Now, I just can't understand the, the escalation process for you to, to hit your own father. Have you guys ever, ever come close to no, hitting your No, I mean, I've folks? yelled at my dad, but not... Not, I've never come close to hitting him. I don't know what the hell. But then again, though, I mean, it's like, look, I you look at Tommy Lee and you look at Pam Anderson and you like, I can't see them being the disciplinarian. You know, they're I, you could I could see them being like, oh, they're everyone's friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they're they're I'm his friend first, and it's like I don't know. Now, granted, I could be yeah, the, I could be speaking cool. out my ass, but they're like the cool parents. They're That's, not going to yeah. spend their time creating respectful, productive human beings. They're cool parents. But to punch someone. In the face. I mean, lay him I, out. I'm not, There's I've levels that get there. I've never punched my mom. I've never punched her, but I've wanted to. Really? Just kidding, mom. I love you. I, <laughs> I, I put my dad not. in a uh, figure four leg lock one time. Did he tap out? Was, uh, no. Did he pass out? He actually managed to flip over the figure four leg lock, and then I tapped. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that happen <laughs> yeah. from Ric Flair many times. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the way to go. So maybe, maybe Tommy Lee's fault here is not that he's a shitty dad. He just needs to take better self defense classes. Yeah, mm, or yeah. Something. Learn how to yeah, you can't take defend some judo against your kid. Yeah, take some judo. Well, his kid's twenty one. It's not like he's like five years old. No, and, I know. You know, I know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm sure he can land a good punch at twenty one. Obviously, he did. He laid out his dad. He laid out his sixty something year old dad. I use fifty five. Fifty five, whatever. Also, what da- what dad is like? Let me take a picture of my busted up face from my son. 
and well, put that on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of world we live in, though. That's the kind of world we, these celebrities live in. It's like they once it's out there, they got to hurry up and get their side of the story out first before TMZ or whoever it is, you know, distorts the reality. And the and and in this situation, it's like. There is no winner here. I know uh, the the reports are Tommy Lee's an alcoholic and he can get um, pretty intense. And if anybody's been with any alcoholic person, it's it's very rough to get away from them. I get that. But at 21 years old, if you punch a 55 year old man, that's pretty heinous. Now, yeah. if it's your dad, that's even more heinous. Okay, let's not. Let's stop. Let's calm down for a second. It's not like at 55, they're completely helpless. I'm sure there's plenty of 55 year old dudes out there that could beat the shit out of some 20 year olds. I'm just saying, hmm. I doubt Tommy Lee is completely the picture of health. No, I don't think he would be. Yeah, you, yeah we have Google for that, Jocelyn. You can see, <laughs> you can see that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. He's 55, but he's a 50, he's a, he's a Motley Crue 55. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, 55. yeah. He's 55 going on 102. And Mick Mars right. looks like the Crypt Keeper at like 35. Right. So that's Motley Crue. Right. You know, I mean, it's, 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 a rough, it's a rough bunch. So, But that would be my nightmare story if my kid kind of like, after you you raise them and you do all those things and but obviously I'm no Tommy Lee so no. I'll never be in that situation yeah, I, and if that happened that's buried that's 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 like nobody will know yeah. Brandon will be like who punched you in the face I'll say anybody I could recall yeah. like maybe two times I've seen Pete uh, have a beer so and not yeah, let alone Pete, drunk yeah no Pete is no Tommy Lee Pete's sex tape is awful to watch mm, it is not yeah. as fun. <laughs> Come on, it's not that yeah, bad. Pete's more, Pete's it's, pretty, more, it's pretty bad. Pete's more Stanley. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, at 90. <laughs> well, moving on, guys. And speaking of, I, I think a, a very interesting story that we read. Bill Burr, he's been in the news many times on the Metal Sucks. We, we've talked to him recently about his uh, thumbs up to Meshuggah. Um, he, it's, he had Al Jorgensen on his podcast not that long ago. And apparently... There's uh, there's talks of him playing drums in ministry now. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's is it going to be like one or two songs? I mean, it, Bill Burr's not like a professional drummer. You know <laughs> I, I mean? think that's what they kind of it kind of sounded like. It was going to be a couple songs. Okay, if it's just if it's just like, hey, what's up, give it up for Bill Burr, and then he goes up there and sings a co- just drums a couple of songs, then fine, you know. But I don't, I wouldn't expect him to go tour. All of a sudden, I we're going to get this guy that's never played drums professionally in his entire life to go join forces with ministry. Mm. Right, right. He should, I mean, he's not obviously going to be playing the whole tour, but if he's playing a couple songs, that's awesome, especially since he's a huge celebrity who's been an outspoken fan of metal music and the metal scene as a whole. Like, to have him show his face at a show, how awesome. I think that if ministry, because obviously Bill Burr is much more popular than ministry. You guys disagree at this point? Yes. yes. So if ministry yeah. opened for Bill Burr, did a half hour set, and Bill Burr played drums, and then you saw Bill Burr do comedy, would that be awesome? No, that's oh sounds God. bad, right? That's awful. That's <laughs> shit on top of Dookie. Wait, Jocelyn, no. you disagree? Yeah, no, you do not want music before comedy. No, no. The, the, I I was always told never have magicians and comedians on the same stage, but you guys are good. Never have magicians and people well, in a room. That's because <laughs> magicians, magicians and comedians are like Gryffindor and Slytherin. We're like we don't get along. We yeah. don't get along. Pete, you get that reference? Not a clue. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jaws. What you was gotta, the second part? You got to understand something I, that Pete doesn't I, live I, in a today's day and age. You know, I he forget he, that I'm young. Yeah, uh, you guys can explain to me later. The point is, is that I'm assuming that that's a Game of Thrones reference, and they're against each other. Yeah, there you go, Game sure, of Thrones. Sure, Let's we'll just stick that. with that. <laughs> I just want to make it as easy as we can for poor, simple Pete. <laughs> Not could, simple. Yeah, he could recall. He could recall what director directed Hard Target, the Van Damme, John Woo. There you go. Next. But when it comes to Slytherin, what the fuck is that? Give me something hard. Yeah, John Woo movies. Come on. Yeah, is that Team Edward? <sighs> um, <laughs> Team Edward, huh? Who directed that? Catherine Hicks? Maybe. So speaking of movies, though, Fred Durst, badass director Fred Durst, uh, he directed a movie back in the day called The Education of Someone Banks with Jesse Eisenberg. I can't remember the whole title, but hey, look that up. I'm right. The point is is that he will be now directing a movie with John Travolta. and uh, That's a huge step up from Jesse Eisenberg. I think he's like the worst actor I've ever seen. I think it's The Education of Charlie Banks. Okay. 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 Sorry to correct that. But the point is, is that uh, Fred Durst, uh, is moving on to directing more, but a John Travolta movie at this point is like a Nicolas Cage movie, so it's going to be kind of a, a direct-to-video Netflix probably B movie. What do you guys think about? Do you think when Durst got Travolta, was he like, "We got Travolta, all right"? Would you think you he be was excited? like happy? I would be. 
Well, if you know you're going to go straight to video. Yeah, but you you got a professional and you got a name. Travolta, man, come on. He I know he he's been has up his and downs, but I mean, the okay, guy the since, guy is a name. Since Pulp Fiction, I'm thinking there's probably been maybe two ups and a lot of downs. Uh, I'm going yeah, to I'm going to disagree with that. But go ahead. It's been, it's been a pretty hard down. I mean, his neck just keeps growing forward, but the rest of his body stays the same. Mm-hmm. He's just a face and a chest now. He's just not looking good. Every time I see him, I'm just creeped out. I don't like the movies that he makes. Like, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. It could be great. I could be wrong. But I don't have high hopes. Tell me all. more. Tell me more. But Fred Durst is directing, Jocelyn. <laughs> you know, but Fred Durst directing, you know, shoot me, but is not really enticing me to pay a ticket to buy a ticket to that movie. Like, I'm not trying to see that matinee. No, and I mean, you know. Directors that are musicians, uh, can you guys name any that are uh, that really directors that are musicians? I know Clown did a movie. I'm, I'm not going to comment if it was good or bad because everybody knows out there. Yeah, Do I've you seen remember it. The, yeah, Officer Down. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, you saw Officer Down, but you haven't seen Harry Potter. Correct. Jesus. Um, like the the <laughs> echelon of musician directors is Rob Zombie, and that bar can be broken. So maybe if Fred Durst, you know, makes something good here, which all of I us think- don't believe. He might. I think Zombie is the exception to the rule. I think Zombie is the exception of the rule with like one movie that everyone loves and all the other movies that he made. Everyone was kind of like, eh, they'll take it or leave <gasps> it. I love all zombie movies. Mm. Shut your mouth. Okay. Look I'm at shutting. you too. Look I'm shutting. I'm trying to keep my anger in check. I don't know if you guys knew this, but the next story that we're going to talk about is Slash. Is, he may be recording a, mo- uh, a new solo record with Miles Kennedy, and he did have a production company. I'm pretty sure he did a movie. It was a horror movie. It was bad. I, I forgot what it was. But anyways, the point is, is that if Slash is moving on to do a solo record with Miles Kennedy... Um, does that mean that a Guns N' Roses record is not really on the radar? A and B. Does anybody want a new Guns N' Roses record? I don't think. I don't think anybody really wants a new Guns N' Roses record. I think. Um, I think basically what those guys did is they just got together and they just made a, a millions and millions of dollars off nostalgia alone. So there's really no reason to add on to it. I think when you're Guns N' Roses, like you already made your fans wait a excessive amount of time for an album. Now you kind of have trained your audience that they're not going to get one. So nobody's really sitting around waiting for it because I'm I'm sure like anyone would assume it's going to take a minute. I think that they should make a new record and I think that that um you know it should be focused because if they tour a new record and it's successful, I think their reunion tour will do just as good business. I think they can like you said live off nostalgia forever, but I think as, you know, active people they'd want to Get the highlight you get when you put out a record everybody loves, like Metallica did with Death Hardwired to Self Destruct. It, it just it it transcends just touring, and I, I think that Guns N' Roses need to have that attitude to be like we need to put out something as good as Appetite. Yeah, know? but then again, though Guns N' Roses, uh, unlike Metallica, those guys can be around one another. Like Guns N' Roses, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, every single one of those guys got into that band just for the cash grab. That was it. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, and at, at this point, it's like they're getting up there, man. Like, if they, what, why would they do extra work if they don't have to, if they don't really want to? You know, if they're not inspired to make it, they're not going to grind away for what? I mean, you're right. It's a smart business decision. But in the grand scheme of things, what is the difference between 60, 60 million and 80 million? You don't probably don't even notice it. I would notice it. Would yeah. notice it's twenty million dollars, <laughs> Jocelyn. The uh, the math is very million? easy. Yeah. I failed math. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Jocelyn's like, I don't know what the difference is between sixty million and a hamburger. I have no yeah. idea. No. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to tip the amount of the bill, right? That's how much the tip is. Oh yeah. <laughs> very good. Yes, that's that's correct, Jocelyn. Yeah, it's twenty percent of my hat. <laughs> and Tool, uh, there's another band that we always talk about. They are in studio currently right now, guys. They have a producer. It's Evil Joe Barisi, uh, which that producer um, decision I, I'm not super fond of, you know, but I know he's very talented. Why is that? Why would you say that? I don't know, man. He's he's more of a rock and like kind of punk-orientated guy, and I want uh, Tool to find more of a, I don't know, like a Bob Ezrin type, like an old-school type of producer that like, you know, I don't know, can kind of bring something are you saying like you don't want to you don't want to hear them get angry? No, I don't think he. I don't fast? think fast. I don't think I. I just don't think he'll challenge them. I think if if you see certain guys like a band like Tool, if I see like Brendan O'Brien or I see Evil Joe Barisi or, or uh, what's that one dude Nick, something that does Rascal last time whatever that does the Foo Fighter records. I don't think they challenge these bands. I think they just kind of record them really well and they sound really professional. And I kind of I like to see that that 
just like Rick Rubin doesn't challenge anymore. Well, you know? when you listen to a lot of the guys, especially guys like Maynard and stuff like that, mm-hmm. when they talk about producers, they make it known that producers really don't have a lot of say in it. Yeah, but when you talk about like uh, Eric Rutan or one of those guys, they do have a say. Yeah, and, but and keep they, in mind, right. but, but yeah. that guy isn't working with a band like Tool, who's but been what around if for twenty did? something years. That's what I'm saying. Right? What if he did, it, Can would you it work imagine? out? I don't know if it wouldn't. I don't know if it wouldn't. I think that why do you why do you think it wouldn't work out? Yeah. Just like, because because we're talking about we're talking about a band that has pretty much done it their way the entire time and then go ahead and try and tell somebody that I think you should do this. There's just going to be, I just think there would be too much fighting. But if you had Adam D from kill switch engage recording the new tool record, we have no idea what we're going to get. It is going to be very interesting. Right. And I, I want to hear that for something like this. It could go completely wrong. Don't get me wrong, but evil Joe is, is kind of safe. And, and, uh, regardless the record, they're in the studio, so we should be extremely happy about the whole situation. But uh, like, imagine if between the Barry and Me's producer, like Jamie King, did the tool record. That's a perfect union to me. That would yeah. be super interesting. You know, because- I agree with I agree with you, Pete, because I'd rather have my favorite bands challenge themselves, mm-hmm. like in those situations, and give me take a risk and maybe fail, but attempt to give me something new and extending what they already do rather than just doing more of what they already are doing. But you know what though? We're talking about a band that's taken 11 years to put out a record and 12. they've been in the stu- 12. True. Yeah. And they've been, and they've been in the studio with each other a long time for a lo- for years. We're trying to record this album, trying to make sure that everything's right. So to say that they're not challenging themselves, I think it's kind of unfair, but then again, no, though, I'm this not is saying tool. they're not, they're not challenging themselves. I'm just saying when you're a team of, six and you're all bouncing ideas off of each other there's only so many ideas that can be bounced but when you add in somebody who's willing to push those ideas and bounce more ideas off it creates a different dynamic behind the people that are already talented already challenging themselves you know what i'm saying and 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 brandon's point i do think that if the if it's it's taken 12 years the record is finished they might just need someone to put push the buttons and make sure it sounds good you know so and and that's that's I'm sure that's what and it is. that's what I think happened. Where, I, like I said, I really wish it was kind of one of those situations to be like, "What is going out? This is not going to be comfortable, but this can be super." But then super again, though, us as fans, like how much, like like we know how much the producer has to do with the record. Like we have no idea what songs that they tweaked and what they, you know, there might have, there might have been plenty of times where the producer came in and, and fucked up the album way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's like you don't really know. Until, well, you know, the, so you played safe, yeah, because yeah. if you had Will Putney behind. The those boards it might sound like a new amazing band and that's what i want that's what i want so anyways uh before we get into our interview guys with tommy rogers from between the buried and me uh this april blacklight media records will release gozu's new album equilibrium with roots in 60s psychedelia and classic rock the fuzzy stoner riffs of the 70s the grit of 90s grudge and the winning dirty rock and roll that has in recent years made a resurgence Gozu has been churning out killer records since 2009. Equilibrium is certainly the catchiest and most instant music drop by the quartet, embracing their love of pop music, but without compromising on any of the other vital elements of their sound. Make sure you go out and pre-order that album now at www.blacklightmediarecords.com slash gozu. Once again, www.blacklightmediarecords.com slash gozu. And with that, guys... Here is my interview with Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me. Hey everybody, it's uh, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me. We're here to talk about the new record, Automo One, which is out now in stores. So, uh, Tommy, let's talk about that record here. So, it is a, it's a double album, but you guys are mm-hmm. just deciding to, to release it in, in two sections. So, uh, Automo One is out now, and then Automo Two will be out in June. Um, why did you guys decide to go that way with it? Uh, there's quite a, there's a few reasons. Um, I mean, we wrote it as one piece of music and we kind of decided after the fact that it it would be a cool way to present the record. Um, I mean, the way I look at it, music comes and it comes and goes so quickly nowadays, you know, every Friday new music comes out and you either dive in or you don't. And, you know, we were like, you know, this day and age, it'd be kind of cool to not give everyone what they want, right? Right. When it comes out, you know, kind of, create some excitement um give our our listeners two opportunities this year to get new music from us and as far as a, a, being a fan of music i think that's cool that you know there's two times you get to dive into this album or different parts of this album and um i don't know i think a lot of times especially 
with a band like us with very dense music, a lot of times the second half of albums kind of get overlooked. Um, I mean, I, I have had that happen with me in bands before, you know, you'll kind of dive into a record years later and be like, Oh, I always forget to listen to the second half just because they, you know, something came up while you're listening to it or whatever. And we're like, maybe this will kind of shine some more light, give the second half a little more exposure than it would have uh, initially if we just released it as one. And, you know, they have really good different vibes from one another. And they, they, I think, really hold up as their own piece of music. And uh, it just felt right. You know, it was just one of those things we wanted to try. Um, we didn't want it to seem like anything that we forced at all. Um, but I think when you listen to it, it, it all kind of makes sense. And it works um, with the story and, and, and musically as well. And I really like that. The, the way you guys are doing it too because I mean the way you take in a double record is just like that I remember when uh, Maiden put out Book of Souls right mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I lived with disc one for the first like three or four months you know and then I'm like alright let me now dive into disc two and then yeah. Empire of the Clouds happened I'm like oh, alright so but I didn't listen to it until the first few months so even though I got it as a package like you said there's only you don't want to just force it all out on you especially if it's like 80 90 minutes worth of music and i yeah. know even like uh you know most of your guys's records is right on the boundary of that 70 minute mark you know um yeah i mean it's always like 70 75 minutes yeah which is it's similar with this and i think i mean there there's so many different types of fans i mean as a band you you always want to think that you know, everybody out there is diving in, you know, pushing play, listening to all 74 minutes all at once. But we know that's not the case, you know, and our music is very dense. It's, you know, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's even for me, you know, when I listen back, you know, for different reasons, like I understand that when listening to it. And I think just for people that aren't that kind of fan, you know, that either casually listen to us or, you know, they just like throwing us on i think it's a little easier for them to be presented with the album in this way and and you guys did the ep a couple of backs the, the parallax the hypersleep dialogue yeah, the, yeah and that was like a 30 minute ep and i that felt like a full record i think to a lot of people uh yeah it was three songs i think all the songs were like 10 minutes long um, this is off my memory it was they were all yeah. longer songs but it felt like a full record and, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I spent as much time with that as I did the great misdirect or colors, you know, and I just, it, it, because so much is going on and that's when, you know, back in the day, like growing up when, when you're going to watch like a classic movie, you know, like once upon a time in America, it was two mm-hmm. tapes. So you can stop halfway and then come back to the second side, you know, instead of just going yeah. once. And that's, that's how I feel with certain, certain bands. Um, it's best to do that. Because yeah. even with me, like Coma Elliptic, I would break it off at the halfway point just as a listener. Yeah, it's it's a dude. It's a long record, man. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was it was cool because we we wrote this record and there was this spot that felt like a good kind of intermission point, you know, in the middle of the record. And there was actually a pause between songs, which is very unlikely for us. Um, and it was literally right down the middle. I mean, it was nothing we planned. So it kind of just all happened, you know, we're like, oh, this is, it it, kind of called out for us to do this. And we're like, I mean, obviously some people will be like a little bummed that they're not getting the entire album, you know, because it is done, you know, but, you know, we were like, it's it's something different. Like we've always kind of been a band that does things our way. So let's just try it. Hell, if it doesn't work, we, you know, don't do it again. Simple as that. So, But also, like, as a fan, I know that if you guys put out, you guys do put out the DVDs, you know, almost every mm-hmm. time now. So if you guys did put out a DVD in the future, it's going to be Automata, and we're going to get it all the way through, you know? So if if you guys decided to do that for this record. Well, now, now you're putting pressure on us. I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, but yeah, the Coma Lifted, uh, the DVD you guys put out last year, that's entirety. Obviously, the Colors one from back in the day. And, and you just yeah. did come off, uh, I don't know if it just happened, but you guys did celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Colors. That, that was our last tour, yeah. That was we, the last We've been tour. off for five months, yeah. Yeah. Was, but- was a record written before you guys did the Colors? Uh, we actually were we were done recording before yes yeah Yeah. so we literally went from recording to a couple weeks off and then doing the colors tour and it's funny because we get you know we get asked a lot like was colors like revisiting that stuff did that influence writing at all but i mean we didn't even 
you know, with our music, you can really only juggle one thing at a time just because mentally it's so much. So for us, while all the hype of the promotion of the Colors Tour and all that, we weren't even thinking about it. We haven't even listened to the songs, you know, because we were right in the middle of writing and recording. Um, so it was funny. We, we basically finished the record and then the next day I had to basically just erase all that shit from our, our minds and dive right into Colors and, you know, go from there. So, yeah, it's we definitely just have to kind of do one thing at a time in this band for sure. And when revisiting like the past like that for me as a fan, mm-hmm. the first record I got was silent circus and then I got Alaska. And I remember when, when colors came out, like mm-hmm. and it, it separated you guys. And that's when I knew between the barrier to me would last. It's a weird, it's a weird explanation. Cause I'm like, now, now they're doing something that is mm-hmm. not going to have a timestamp on it. Not now. Don't get me wrong. I love Sound Circus in Alaska, um, but it seems like a lot of bands during that time, like the Red Chord and all that stuff, kind of had a certain sound. And then when Colors came out, I think you guys yeah. confused everybody. Everybody's like, "Shit, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> we, we can't keep doing the same stuff. We need to do." Well, something it's funny now. because you know, you know, people do look back, and that's like the the benchmark record for us for a lot of people. And but at the time, I remember it was kind of, you know. We've always been a kind of do what we want kind of band, but I remember, I mean, there was love when it came out, but there was also a lot of like, wait a minute, this is very different from Alaska and from Silent Circus and all that. And, you know, there wasn't that instant like, oh, this record, this is exactly what we want. It was, it was more like, huh, this kind of makes me feel a little weird. Like, are you guys going to be heavy anymore? You know, but, you know, looking back, you know, I, I'm really glad we, we always took those steps and always, you know, we're very genuine with ourselves and our writing. Um, I think each album really represents that time period for us so well. You know, we've never been a, a kind of band that writes for any other reason than, you know, to creatively get things off our chest, you know. And and I think that was just one of those moments where when we started writing it, it just it felt right. You know, I think the lineup was really starting to work together as you know a family at that point and um yeah it's just it's been fun you know being part of it all i mean just you never know what to expect and you know i never know what the next step is because we're not the kind of band that is like all right next record let's do this you know we just we start writing and and then go from there yeah dude i think i think that's a big misconception as people think that we're very like all right, this album, let's make it not as heavy, or this one, let's make it a little heavy. You know, that's not how it works at all. You know, we we like the organic nature of our writing, and, you know, when we sit down to work on stuff, we all do it mostly individually, and, you know, and as we grow as guys and musicians, that those styles change, you know, so. Uh, completely. So, yeah, that's what, that's what happened with Colors, you know. We were just in a different place uh, with our writing, and we... And I think the co- the covers record helped with that. We we definitely, I mean, that was like a big rushed thing. Um, you know, I, lo- I don't, I personally don't love that album, but I love what it taught us about recording. And you know, it really kind of gave us the confidence to be like, hey, you can do some other sh- other stuff besides, you know, blast beats and breakdowns and stuff. So I, I think it gave us a lot of confidence that we needed in order to write an album like Colors. And I got to tell you, because you had to have confidence, because I remember when I got that, I, I, I pre-ordered, I got it from from the record store, and then I'm like, the day I try to live, you're going to sing Chris Cornell? I was like, I got to hear this. And you, you guys did a fantastic job on it, but like, were you nervous to try to like do a song by like someone like him vocally? Yes, yeah. yeah that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, still, I, I still am very self-conscious. You know, back then, I was probably even more... You know, because I, you know, at that point, I still, I didn't really know my voice that well. You know, I feel like each, you know, just like you do anything, I think the more you do it, the more you learn about it. Um, and at that point, I was still really trying to figure out singing. Because singing, to me, was kind of something I just stumbled onto and kind of learned as I went, you know. So, I definitely wasn't, I'm not one of those guys that was, like, born with this voice, with a voice at all. I, I really had to work at it. And then when thrown out of a position to sing fucking chris cornell and you know all these other singers <laughs> yeah. yeah it was very it was tough man and and like i was saying earlier it was really it was a rushed thing so yeah there was some stress there but i mean i was, I was young you know it was exciting i didn't i mean i've always been the kind of guy just go for it and 
you know, whatever happens, happens. So definitely, and that's the thing about like from from a fan seeing you guys live. This is this is why colors was so important for me because I I mean I saw you it was Ozfest and that was during the Alaska tour. Yeah, and then the next time I saw you guys like on the colors tour, it was like the growth in that short amount of time period was exponential. You know. And um, yeah. like you said, the fans were like maybe this or that with it, but like if they saw you live before and afterwards, like you truly were separated, and then something new and exciting was happening all around your band because you guys did that. Like I, I've actually said in other interviews, where the rise of like this intelligent art metal, you know, um, for me, I originally remember it coming from you guys during that cycle, and then everybody kind of being like, "No, we can be serious. We can be real. We don't have to just be brutal. We don't have to just yeah. do that, we, you know." And we can have blast beats and all that stuff. But that was like one of the most exciting times for me as a fan watching a band that I, I loved kind of like go to the next level. And um, and then since then, like you said, you guys have done it your way every single album, and that's what keeps it so interesting is because you finally decided to be like, we're going to do what we want on Colors. And, yeah. And uh, with this new record, though, um, Automata 1, is, it's very much heavier, if I'm allowed to say that, than Coma Ecliptic. Was that something yeah. that you guys were um, kind of thinking about doing, or is it just how it kind of grew? No, it, I think some of us were just writing a little heavier. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, the thing about writing and, and creating anything, it's hard to explain it. You know, we always yeah. get that question all the time. How do you write your songs? Which is such a, I mean, it's an impossible thing to answer because it it constantly is evolving and changing and it differs from one another. But I mean, it, it's weird how sometimes, you know, me personally, sometimes I don't want to touch a guitar for a year or sometimes I want to pick up a guitar and write metal all day, you know? So it really just, it depends on where you are. And, and what what's kind of moving you and, and i think just naturally some of us were writing some heavier stuff and um i mean i've always loved um a big contrast in music and, and i think you know even though we do do a lot of mellower stuff now i still love the contrast of the real heavy and the real mellow and i think it just works so well you know with our band it's it's a it's part of our sound and um you know it always works well with you know the stories we write and so yeah i mean there wasn't I wouldn't say that was intentional at all. Um, it just kind of happened. And, you know, looking back, I think it's a, it's a cool record because I hear uh, moments, not, not that we're recreating anything from our past, but you can hear that that's in our DNA still. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you can kind of still hear the, the old uh, versions of ourselves kind of creeping out here and there, which is, it's kind of cool because the thing, you know, that stuff is us, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's part of us. So, it's the it's, yeah. I completely agree. It's like the adult version of you guys' <laughs> yeah, youth. It's like here's yeah. here's intelligent, but it's still that same bite. Yeah, I completely. And I think bands have to do that on a certain occasion when they're going down an eclectic route. I think they have to be like, let me see if I still have that bite. I remember who was it? It was like REM. I remember when they put out mm -hmm. Monster, and it was like, all right, we just got to rock for rock's sake because you know, Shiny Happy People was our last single, you know, and they just yeah, went yeah. for it, right? And it was like. Yeah wow, you guys still have that, you know? And yeah. I know that's not a metal, but it's just a, a thing where it's like... Oh, like, it's a very similar thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think any band with any sort of longevity, I mean, you have to kind of... You have to just... I mean, you're always constantly trying to discover yourself regardless. You know, I think that's the end goal is like searching for something that you haven't achieved yet on a, on a musical standpoint, not really a success standpoint. I think we're always trying to find like... You know that that goosebump feeling. You know mm -hmm. when you nice. listen back, and it's like, oh, you, you, that's a, that's something I never would would have thought I, I would ever write. You know, a few years ago. So I mean, that's, I think those are those moments you're looking for. You know, as a, as a musician, for sure. And the storytelling that you guys have with the concepts and stuff like that <laughs> is that something that you prefer writing records with kind of a story and kind of a concept, or is it just? Something I mean, that I, I kind of, I, I well, for me. I mean, it's definitely the way we've written music since Colors, actually. We've, we've kind of written music, you know, as one flowing piece of music. You know, we, we kind of, you know, hit, repeat, you know, music references within the album. And, you know, our, our albums are very theatrical in a sense, I guess, and, and call for a story, you know. Because, you know, my job at the end of the day is once the music's done is to 
either write lyrics or create a story that that kind of brings the whole album together and makes it super cohesive and and gives you kind of a, a visual element if if you do dive into that part of the album um and so yeah i mean it, it's always kind of called for stories um i definitely go in and out of like do i want to you know this album for instance i was like this is this is the last concept record i'm ever gonna write ever <laughs> you know you go through these moments like i, I can't fucking do this anymore and um but then that, but now when i'm looking back I'm like oh there was a lot of stressful moments but i really love how that came out like maybe i could write another concept record you know so you, you, you just go through these moments just like you know everyone goes through um but it's just something that i think kind of fits you know the way we write music and um it's it's fun for me because i've never been you know lyrics for me since day one were just like singing i kind of was just figuring out you know because i originally a lot of people don't know that i was you know, originally i was going to be the guitarist in the band and um you know we, paul and i were trying to find a singer and then we couldn't find and i had i was in a hardcore band in high school so i was like yeah i'll sing and so i didn't know how to really write lyrics ever and i wasn't like an avid reader um so i've always just kind of figured it out and then once we started doing the concept record thing i was kind of figuring it out um so yeah, it's kind of fun because I'm always kind of put in these positions that I'm not 100% comfortable um, while doing, but I think because I'm put, I'm put in those positions, I have my own voice. It's very unique to me, and I'm not really, I'm not like writing based off of something I've read or anything. I'm literally just having it pour out of me, so it's all very natural and, you know, a, a direct extension of myself i guess so nice yeah so have yeah. you ever written anything and been like this is something else like that's what i was gonna say like as far as a concept goes because have you ever stopped yourself and be like well i gotta take a different direction because i just got influenced by uh you know i don't know star wars something like that no <laughs> I I, i'm not really it's weird I, I never really have influence when it comes to writing lyrics especially nice um it's always just kind of i'm a strong believer in things happening for a reason um so when I sit down to write, like either things happen or they don't. And, um, I mean, normally I approach this record a little different than normal. I mean, normally like with the parallax, um, and coma, I had a, an outline and a timeline and everything completely mapped out, you know, for the whole entire rep record lyrically before I even started writing lyrics. So I went in like knowing exactly, okay, this song, I'm doing this, this song, you know, they're going here, et cetera, et cetera. But this record, I started with a very simple concept and I was like, I'm just going to wing it, which, you know, I was like, Oh, it'll be, it'll be cool. It'll be easy. And you know, some new things will come out. And yes, a lot of things kind of expose themselves that probably wouldn't have if I would have done it the more, my traditional way. Um, but because of that, there was lots of like very stressful moments. Like, I don't know where the hell to go. I don't know what to do. Like this story is kind of hitting a dead end. Um, I hate this, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of self, like, calling Paul, like, dude, I need help, like, here's where I am, I need to, I need some second opinion, you know, um, but because of all that, I think it really, I'm really proud of the outcome, you know, I, I really love the, the album, and I love the story, and I, and I think there's kind of a human element that I've been trying to achieve, um, because before sitting down to write this house, like, I really want to, you know, concept records are normally something you can't really grasp onto because there's not that, you know, there's always this fantasy element, but I wanted to kind of intertwine fantasy and, and something that is relatable and, you know, has a lot of human emotion involved into it, so. And now with this question, now I know you have the solo project as well, so it, it, you yeah. can include those records as well, but. When when you do a concept record, like you said, there is a fantasy element to it. But which mm -hmm. do you feel is out of all your guys, all the records you've done, is your most personal record? I mean, I would say, I mean, I would say my solo stuff for sure. For sure. I was, I was. Assuming, I mean, yeah. probably Modern Noise is probably my most personal record um, for sure. You know, that was right after I had my son, and you know, a lot of that's in the album, and yeah, that, that that's probably definitely the one. Nice man. No, I, yeah, I try to. I try to always. I mean, I try to always find a way to put that in there because of you know my, I guess, expectations of a concept record. It's never to me. A lot of times they can be cheesy, and there's no personal element. So I always try to find a way to get that in there. 
but um yeah i would say like modern noise was you know there's no fantasy around most of those lyrics you know it was kind of just me and i just finished a new one too which is i would say very personal as well so yeah Nice. So Velcro Kid came out, it was a 2016, right? That one did come out yeah. on Sumerian Records as well, am I right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it did. And then this is your first record with Sumerian um, Records F with Between the Buried and Me. Um, Correct. How did that transition um, happen? Um, it was. I mean, it was very simple. We were out of contract with Metal Blade, and you know, we wanted to kind of look around and just see options. You know, we're, we're, We've been a band for 15 plus years, mm-hmm. so I mean we're always welcoming change and just kind of seeing options and you know we're lucky to be in a position where we can do that and um it just made sense for us at this moment and you know so far it's been great um we still have a great relationship with metal blade they're phenomenal as well and you know we're, we're just very lucky to have you know people we've worked with over the last few years has, has been very awesome and everybody kind of shares our vision and and has probably too much trust in us um you know we're the kind of band that will finish the album and they haven't heard a, a note so <laughs> so there's there's a lot of trust there so you got to earn that trust though it's okay I, exactly I, I yeah we've yeah. we've done this a long time so yeah yeah you can, yeah. can tell totally, i i that's the way i would handle you guys if i was in <laughs> you guys do what you want send it my way yeah. i'll be fine so um and what i was talking about like back to the concept stuff like if there was uh, an opportunity for you guys to write like a a movie franchise a record mm-hmm. that had to like continue a story for a franchise or a TV show or anything like that. Which would you want to uh, expand the universe with? Mm. That's tough. I don't know. It's really tough. I mean, I would just try to find a way to tie them all together. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think Parallax could maybe do something. I, I, I think there would be some qualities of that. Coma's probably a little too short. This one might be a little too short. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's tough. And Parallax, I, I kind of intertwined a lot of past stories that I wrote in the early days with that. So I think that would probably be easiest to, even though I don't even remember what the hell that record's about. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was seven years ago, man. It was, it was, uh, it was, pretty- yeah, it's crazy. People like, you know, I'll post something online or whatever and people will do the like like a lyric quote i'm like, like is that something i wrote <laughs> <laughs> like oh, after that, it's just I've, I've written so many songs after all these years like, and it's funny i just don't like i was saying earlier you you do one thing at a time we there's only one block of music in our heads at one time so right now i have our set from you know the tour on right now yeah excellent man so um and when you toured with dream theater you've toured with so many just bands because like i said you you guys can you can go the progressive route you can go the heavy route you can go so many ways um while going up during this is which which band was the hardest to open for that you guys had to do back in the day the dream theater tour was tough Mm. um i mean and and that was at a point yeah yeah, i mean it was mainly the screaming thing um and that and that was kind of before. I mean, I feel like now those worlds have kind of collided a little bit more than they did back then. Thank yourself. That was that. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of at the very beginning of like the full out prog thing mixing with you know the more aggressive extreme metal. Um, so yeah, it was weird, and mainly because like the first, I just remember the first like ten rows were like the vip seats that were expensive so they were like the diehard dream theater fans you know mm. and they would just look at me like dude what the hell are you doing man <laughs> why, why are you screaming right now that's funny dude i can see really that like- <laughs> where we didn't we didn't really oh totally yeah you know and and we did coheed there was some, you know there were some moments on that tour I mean, a band like us, you know, we, we like to do different things and, and we kind of learned early on that you have to deal with that, uh, that kind of awkwardness and just let it, you know, be something that doesn't bother you. Um, because I think we're all very self, you know, we're aware that not everybody likes your music. You know, we know that our music is not easy to listen to. It's not something you just throw on and you know the the first take you get it you know we get that so a lot of people 
they're not going to like it and that's totally fine and you know you just have to mentally get over that hurdle on stage and and not worry and not let it like drag you down and be like you can't focus on that one person that just is on their phone or flicking you off or whatever you know (laughs) so which we've all dealt with you know i mean it's just it's part of it um I think that's any band you just kind of learn, um, unless you're torn with the bands that just sound like you, which is just boring. Yeah, that that's and that's the thing is that like, if you were to do the tour now with someone like Dream Theater, I, I completely think it would be fifty fifty audience. I think it would. I think. Well, I just think. I think there would be a better reaction. Yeah. Um, I, mainly because those worlds have collided a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I think we've written since then maybe some music that those people could kind of grasp on a little bit more. Cause I can't, I can't remember what album we were on, but it was still, it was probably, I think um, it was misdirect. Misdirect. Uh, or, yeah. It was probably, yeah. yeah. It was either misdirect or parallax. And, uh, but how did, I mean, how awesome is that, that you can sit there and be like, Hey, you know what? You can't call us progressive, but you can, you can't call us metal, but you can, you can't call us hard. You can't be put into a genre because yeah. you guys have so many different elements going on. I mean, isn't that what every band ultimately wants? Yeah, I mean, we've really we're really lucky in that sense. You know, we've and and I think it's just because of how gradual we've we've morphed our sound, I guess. I mean, cuz even I mean, people look back and they're like, "Oh, Sonic Circus self-titled really heavy records." But there were those elements of experimentation within those records. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we always kind of, I mean, when Paul and I started the band, you know, we, we came out of the, the metal core scene, you know, and we were like, we love music in general. You know, we obviously are drawn towards extreme music, but that's start a band that isn't afraid to play other things, you know, and, and I think because that was our mentality still is. And I think we kind of gradually like introduced that experimentation when it felt right for us, because I think at that point we weren't, I mean, we weren't really capable of expressing what we wanted to express, you know? And I feel like as we grew as players and as musicians and as a a group of, you know, a band, I think we learned to kind of get that stuff out year after year. And it just kind of started pouring out of us. And now it's a very, I mean, when we start writing it, it, it just pours out, man. It's 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 a quick. It happens fast. I mean, there's a there's a, so much work that goes into it, but it comes out quickly. And um, I think that just shows, kind of behind the scenes to us, how well we work together as a you know a unit. Yeah, and the confidence that you guys have earned, man. I think the thing that I really love about this band is the amount of trust that we put, you know, with each other. You know, when we record. You know, all, we we get everything exactly how we want before we go in that studio. So we know what the record's going to sound like. So basically, a studio is a chance for us to, you know, get the good takes, basically have it all come to life. And, I mean, there's times, I mean, Blake will record drums on his own. And then, you know, some of us, I mean, they used to, back in the day, it'd be like all of us, like, looking over each other's shoulder. Like, what's, but now, I mean, we just kind of go in by ourselves sometimes. Nobody, nobody ever, like, checks up on what each one of us is doing because we know we do our jobs well and we know that each of us are going to do cool shit you know so i think that there's a lot of freedom in that and and it's so nice to be in an environment where we all have such trust within each other and our capabilities and how we write and that and that that brings me to the next question is how important is the environment you grew up in like you guys are from north carolina correct Mm -hmm. yeah how important is that city and that environment to, you know, you guys? I don't. I don't really think it has to do with the environment or where you grow up. I think it, it's the environment you grow up uh, within, like a music scene. Mm. I mean, I think all of us, even though we weren't all around the same area, we all grew up within a very close knit hardcore community. Um, and you learn a lot in those situations. You know, you learn. You know, there's a lot of like family values amongst bands you know you help each other out you're you know you you know everything's super diy you do everything yourself you kind of everybody's learning together um and you know when we all started kind of getting into the music there was no notion of making money or making it a, a job it was something we just loved doing we liked you know we 
I wasn't a sports guy, you know, I wanted to play guitar, you know, so I think it's just that environment is what kind of dictates what kind of band you are. And I, we still have it. I think because of the ethic, we're still very level-headed and very grounded as far as, you know, the business and, you know, our band in general, and we're very hands-on with, you know, all aspects of, of the band. Um, and I think that's just because we learned a lot growing up in that world and just kind of figuring it out as we go. Um, so I, th I think, yeah, I just, I think anybody that kind of grows up in smaller areas where there's this small music scene, you just learn so much and you, you know, you meet a lot of great bands and, you know, that's how I met Paul, you know, he was in a band and I eventually joined that band playing guitar with him. Um, you know, and then from there we just kind of. We've been playing together for almost 20 years now or something. So it's crazy to think. And and last question, dude. So it, to keep a band together is extremely difficult. You guys have yeah. been the same band since 2005. All, yep. all the works have been growing, and it's like each member is so important. So how do you guys make sure you nurture that and, and keep that going so, so there are no issues? I mean, it, it's one of those things where it, it – there is no secret formula. Mm. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we just, we honestly, we get along. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, we, on a personal level, we mesh well. You know, we know when to leave each other alone. You know, we never fight. You know, we're not a band that fights. And when it comes time to work, we work really well together. Um, but also when we're not working, we know that space is really good for us. You know, so it's just kind of just like anything in life. You you, you kind of learn as you go and what works, works. And just like any relationship. Yeah. And um, we've all grown a lot. I mean, that's uh, we've been a band a long time, you know, and you and you kind of learn your role, so to speak. And, you know, and I think as far as writing, we're very open with one another. We're very honest, you know, because we write a lot of music and a lot of it doesn't get used and a lot a lot of it doesn't work for a song. You know, there's moments where, you know, for instance, I'll, I'll have a part that I love, but if it doesn't work for a song, it doesn't work for a song. You don't, you can't like get aggressive about that, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, your goal is to write good songs. So I think, you know, that's something every band has to learn that you're not important. You're all one thing, you know, and you know, you're, you need to work together to kind of create, something that you're all happy with and if you're not happy with what you're all creating you probably shouldn't be a group or shouldn't be a band um but yeah we've seen so much dysfunction over the years amongst other bands and you know we're very lucky that you know we've we've somehow found some formula that works really well for us and you know we just we really lucked out with a finding good dudes and b finding guys that are musically phenomenal and can you know, we're, we're constantly, we write well together. I mean, so it's, it's just meant to be, you know? Yeah. Like you said, man, things happen for a reason. And I love yeah. that that's how it went out. Cause yeah, like you guys, you did it through all those years of like youth where people were angry and ego and all those things that yeah. made no sense. You guys yeah. have transcended that. And now you're, like I said, adulthoods, fathers, all these things. And it's still, it's still working out and you're still putting out these fantastic, fantastic records man so well thanks man you're very welcome dude thank you man you've been in my ears for like probably two strong years of my life when i'm dead you know that's all <laughs> mr i listened to between the bear to me you guys are in there all the time you know so well thank you man that means a lot seriously you know and uh yeah oh like i said i'm i'm all 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 about it and and uh this record i want everybody if you don't have it already automata one it's out right now and uh i i love it can't tell you it's uh it's just another piece to the puzzle man but that's the thing is like if someone said hey pick a record for between the buried me i'd be like just pick any you know okay not <laughs> not the anatomy of because that's a cover record, but any other record not the, you know but uh, that one's fun to listen to don't get me wrong but that's you know and and just start from there because the journey really i feel lucky that in my time frame as a listener that i got to to start the journey where i started it you know rather than being like, hey, this is my first record, let me go back. Like, I, I got to enjoy every album cycle, you know? And that's... Yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. That's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Silent Circus, you said, right? Yeah, that was the first one I yeah. got. Um, so I never... Yeah. And I never go back. I'm one of those I'm one of those fans when people are like, hey, check out this band. I'll get their new record, and I go forward. Unless it's like, you know, Dio, or something like, something like, oh, yeah. it all happened before my time, you know? Because I was born yeah. in 80. So... 
Um, and I try to stick with the newer stuff. And it's so rare that when people are like, no, this is the best one. It's so rare that a band that I love, their early material is better than the new record. It's, it's rare, you know? It's just uh, people h- hang on to their youth, I think. But uh, anyway. Yeah, it's all, about, it's all about hearing records at a certain moment in your life, I think. I was actually talking with our bus driver earlier about that. I was like, there's, there's so many records... Sorry to go on a tangent, but yeah, there's so many records that, uh, you know, I'm like, if I heard that in my current situation, I would, I don't think I would, like, I don't think I would like it, you know, but there, when you're a kid and this, you know, certain records just speak to you and, you know, it's cool how that works out. Yeah, man. It's, it's cool to have that moment. Like I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's just moments that, uh, you go on to go, go forth. And then when you stick with someone as, as long as a lot of people have stuck with you guys, it just feels like, Hey man, old friend. Come on, make yeah, me smile, dude. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a great thing. So, um, and that's what you guys will get, man, with this new record. And like I said, June, I'm super excited, dude. I think you guys did exactly the way you should, and uh, all that. So, uh, everybody out there, if you haven't Automata One, check it out right now. We're going to be playing Cadenza the Gallows right after this interview. But uh, hey, Tommy, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling in. Uh, thank you, man.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. And we are back, guys. First song you heard is off between the Bear and Me's new record, Automato One. First song is Condemned to the Gallows. The second song is Millions. And that will do it, guys, this week for the Metal Sucks podcast. As always, thank you for all those five-star reviews we keep seeing and listening weekly. We love you guys. You mean the world to us. Thanks again. Uh, Until next week, Metal Sucks podcast over and out. The Metal Sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.